Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, it's 135 at Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Oilers Now, Bob Stoffer with you. We'll get to more of your texts on our Heartland Ford text line at 630-630 after Todd McClellan, the new head coach of the LA Kings, was kind enough to uh, join us here in Oilers Now. Uh, one of the guys that Todd believed in, his name is Brad Lauer. He knew him through coaching circles. Brad Lauer is the head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings. They are a surprise this year to be playing in the Eastern Conference Final. Their general manager is Kurt Hill. Oil Kings, game three tonight against the PA Raiders. Series tied 1-1. Kurt Hill joins us right now in Oilers Now. Hi, Kurt. How are you? Good stuff. How are you doing? Good. Tell me about the two games played up in Prince Albert on the weekend. Yeah, very hard-fought games. You know, I, it's um, our guys went in there, and it's a it's a whole other animal in there with the crowd and the amount of support that they have um, from their city and their fan group there. So it was loud, and uh, you know, I, I've said it before. There's no no better way to get playoff experience for our group than going into a going into a hostile environment like that. I thought our guys handled it very well and played real well the first night. And really pushed them the second half of the game, but couldn't. Ian Scott played well. We couldn't find the back of the net. And then, the second night, um, you know, we, we didn't win the storm early, but we found a way to get ourselves back in the game and end up uh, getting one in overtime. There is a cyclical nature to junior hockey for the most part. I mean, there's a few markets around the CHL which maybe don't have the same natural evolutions with their team. You've been the first to admit you, you've inherited some pretty good picks here and some good players coming in this year as the uh, president GM, Jake Neighbors. Um, has he been a different player in the playoffs than he was in the regular season? Has he just been healthier? Have you seen some maturation in his game? What's going on there? Well, for Jake, I mean, he's a 16-year-old entering the league this year. Not that, I mean, you don't think he's a 16-year-old, but he still is at the end of the day. And, you know, I think the first little bit there, he was figuring out the league and kind of sorting it out. And then, and then we lost to the under-17s for a while, so there's another two weeks that he wasn't around. We go home for Christmas, he comes back, is injured get suspended so he kind of had a year where we had him at times and he was he was gone at times so i think down the stretch he finally really found his groove and um in the playoffs here he's, he's really kind of just continued what he did at the end of the regular season and and he's been a difference maker and with his his style of game is built for this time of year and uh, he's shown that right from the right from the start of game one to now uh look you were with the chicago blackhawks last year i don't want to get ahead of ourselves here but Part of what junior hockey is, you know, tomorrow's stars, uh, you know, today at the junior level. Are we looking at a player in neighbors who will be, is that, does he have the sort of makeup that'll be a first round draft choice next year? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I would think right now guys are thinking, you know, lots of NHL guys, they talk they talk about him, and he's a little bit of a throwback player at the same time. He's, he's a big, heavy guy that's physical, but but brings a lot of the new elements of the game. He's, he's He can move and get around really well out there for how big he is and the style of play that he does play with the amount of power he brings in his game. So, you know, I think that uh, responsibility still lies with Jake and, and him, him continuing to develop and work hard himself this summer and then obviously with us as a staff doing everything we can to continue to develop as a pivotal player right through next year. You have another draft-eligible player this year. 
Matthew Robertson. He won a uh, gold medal at the Holinka Gretzky tournament uh, this past summer, a team that also featured Dylan Cousins, who's over the U18 team right now, who, by the way, are up 3-2 on the checks. So it's in the third period. Uh, Kirby Dock, who was eliminated last round by the PA Raiders. Uh, just a thought on, uh, on Robertson. Are you seeing, is he another guy that's elevated here come playoff time? He, he's played really well this round. Last game was one of his best games, I think, of the season. He really, really handled the puck well and, and had a lot of poise, a lot of confidence with the puck, and, and showed a little bit more offense. And he, he got us back in that game, scoring a big goal. So he uh, definitely is he's risen his level of play. I mean, it's it's interesting to think he's only 17. So in our league, he's still considered young. And so what he's doing for for a 17 year old, and then on minutes that he's playing is. Uh, you know, give him a lot of credit. He's, he's definitely risen his, his level of play in the playoffs as well. All right, so you mentioned the youth of your team, and, and PA's kind of a 19-year-old team. Is that a fair assessment, do you think, Kurt? They're an older team, yeah. I would say that's fair, yeah. And you guys, I mean, we haven't even talked about Dylan Gunther, who you have as an option, but who will be on your team full-time next year. I mean, he's draft eligible in like three years. from. I mean, he might be the best of all your young players. Is there a real, like, is there naivety in terms of what your group is going through right now and just a wonderful experience? Or is there also a realization that, yeah, they might be young, but they can go win it right here, right now? Well, for sure. I think the guys in our room have a lot of confidence. And, you know, the, old, the, one, the one thing I think about lots of people is our older players, we have a lot of really really good older players on this team, a lot of guys that have re- refound their confidence and kind of rejuvenated their careers. And, you know, with the 320s, it was Vince. I mean, he scored over 35 goals this year. Benji Benjafield came in, had an exceptional year, and then after fighting to say that we thought he would bring the offense he's brought when we got Swift Current, um, he's found a way to, to produce and, and the year Trey's had as well. So there's four guys that... You know, you, you start looking at your lineup that'll probably potentially be gone next year. Well, three for sure, probably Trey. So those older players are playing well, not to mention some of our other 19-year-olds on the team. So at the same time that our young players are they're getting a lot of playoff experience, it's, uh, it's also the last kick of the can for some of the guys on our team, and they want to win more than anybody. We are going to play a little bit of uh, some comments coming up from Gerard Gallant, directed Peter DeBoer's way at, uh, at about 147 today. Uh, and Mark Hapscheid, uh, for two series in a row, there was a little bit of discourse back and forth with the Saskatoon Blades, and then Hapscheid talking a bit about you guys crowding the crease a little bit. I don't know about you, but where I come from, Kurt, you don't score goals unless you got a presence in front of the net. Well, no, we got to get we got to get bodies to the net, find second opportunities. They got a they got an older decor, they're a big decor. They like to out and you know if we're going to get opportunities to score, we got to get there and find rebounds and find loose pucks and. You know, last game we did a good job and just got, you know, had some good screens and some goals. And that's the reason we end up uh, getting back into that game. So, you know, it's uh, getting to the net, obviously, in any playoff series is key at the end of the day. Especially against a goaltender as good as Ian Scott. Yeah, if you're the backup goalie, I mean, if you're the whole team, you know, you're an exceptional goalie. And, you know, he's proven that all, all year long. All right. Best of luck today. Puck drop at 7 o'clock. Kurt, thanks for taking time to join us on Oilers Now. Yeah, you bet, Bob. Thanks for having me. You bet. That's Kurt Hill, president and GM of the Evans Oil Kings. Uh, you can text us at 630-630. This text comes in. Todd McClellan, old-fashioned coach with old-fashioned systems. Wish Todd good luck. Couldn't win. You can't use Shirelli as an excuse. I guess what my response to that would be, the Oilers had two guys with excellent coaching pedigree this season and neither of the coaches 
Uh, Todd's final record was 9-10-1. and one. It was 9-8-1 before a trade was made that took away the third-line center of the team. Some people have said to me around the league, they should have just stayed the course and watched, and, and others have said they should have stayed the course dating all the way back to 2015. My point on Peter Shirelli is he wore the hat and he got to make the decisions. To what degree others influenced? I personally believe that Peter, and, and I believe that if he was here right now, he'd say that he had complete autonomy to make the calls. I know there's some of you out there that don't believe that and think that's me pointing the finger solely at Peter. No, it was an organizational failure that the Oilers were in this position. I just previously said in the last segment that he didn't inherit a scenario where there was a secondary wave of prospects. So, bottom line. By the way, what, do you recall what I said when the Oilers made the change to to uh, uh, when Todd McClellan was replaced by Ken Hitchcock? Yeah, Bob, if memory serves, you said something to the effect of you 100% agreed with, with that necessary with, change. Which, not, not with Todd, with Shirelli. With Shirelli. I, with Shirelli, yes. I said I 100% Correct. agreed. I did not say that with Todd McClellan. You, okay, yeah, yeah. I disagreed said, with McClellan. Yeah. Uh, so, All the wires crossed. Yeah, so you can text us at 630-630, tweet us at Oilers Now, email us OilersNow at 630chat.com. Ken Hitchcock is a good coach, an experienced coach, he had a different systematic approach to defensive zone coverage than Todd McClellan. Um, but the fact that neither of the two coaches gained significant tractions with what was here, you know, some you got to win trades. And I think Peter, if he was in studio right now, would be the first. Well, he, that's not his thing. He wasn't the sort of guy to engage in those sort of conversations. But he, uh, everybody played a factor. Let's put it that way. Hi, Bob. The Oilers, the playoffs, and Milan Lucic. After watching the playoffs this year, I feel the Oilers, if the Oilers can get Milan through a regular season, regardless if he scores 20 goals, uh, he will be a very, very valuable piece in the playoffs. Playoffs seem to be a different uh, animal than the regular season. I think the Oilers would welcome uh, and need his intimidating presence, especially with the battles that go on in front of Lynette. Thanks. Uh, you know what? I can't. Brendan, can you disagree with that? Like, the texter is basically saying that Lucic is going to be more valuable in playoffs than the regular seasons, regardless of production. I think based on what we've seen, there's a degree of truth to that. I think that that is fair. The problem is you still got to get to the playoffs. This text comes in. Coach Mike says, Bob, 12 of the last 13 seasons have been an organizational failure. Mike, Coach Mike, you're right. That is a fair comment, Right. What I'm saying is when you evaluate the body of work, the pro-player procurement under Shirelli was not good enough. Okay, The asset management, the cap management, not good enough. The one thing I think Peter did well over the course of the last two or three years is rebuild the stable a bit in terms of prospects on the farm. And I don't think it was up and running when he got here, in fairness to him. Now, many would suggest if Edmonton was just patient, they would have been way better off out of the gate. That's the last thing I think a lot of you want to hear. We'll get to some more texts coming up at 6.30, in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 6.30, Chad.
Royal Pizza, Pizza Pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for 49 years. For many locations, visit royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Star for recommendation of Royal Pizza, the Mediterranean Chicken. I hear that song, and it's appropriate. As we go to this day in order's history, Oh, Brendan Escott, what do you have for us? All right, back in 1988, Bob, Marty McSurley gets five in a game for spearing, but Mark Messier registers three assists. Wayne Gretzky has a pair of his own, and that led the Oilers past the Flames 4-2 in game three of the Smythe Division Finals at Northlands. That put them up 3-0 in the series as well. All right, on that play, the Oilers scored. So McSorley got drilled with a hit that today would be a five-minute major. Like he was hit from behind head first in the boards. Marty was upset. He went up the ice. And unfortunately for Mike Bullard, as the Oilers were scoring a goal, or maybe a couple goals before Edmonton had actually, uh, uh, a couple seconds before Edmonton had actually scored, Mike Bullard came on the ice and Marty McSorley pitched for him. And if it happened today, all the snowflakes out there would be freaking out. It was ugly. It was cheap. It was dirty. That's kind of how hockey was played in 1988 at times. It doesn't mean it was perfect. Have you ever seen it, Brendan? Not that specific incident. <laughs> oh, man, you got to pull it up on you. We'll get to that in a second. It's it's pretty ugly. It's You know what? You love Marty McSorley when he was on your team, and when he went to the Kings, I personally hated him. And uh, since he's come back to the Oilers organization doing some alumni events, I know he was, I think he was up in White Court this past weekend. Uh, he's an interesting fellow to say the least. Speaking of an interesting fellow, you want a coach that's going to battle you? You want a coach that's going to I know this for the, I, I have a believer, I'm a believer that uh, players chirp players, coaches chirp coaches, broadcasters and media guys can chirp media guys, but it's kind of low form to belittle other media guys in other markets, especially, in, you know, hey, I work for the Oilers, and they haven't made the playoffs 12 of the last 13 years. So, But Gerard Gallant got upset about four years ago at the Oilers' uh, Matt Hendricks for an incident involving Aaron Eckblad, and he was ready to fight him. And if you saw Gerard Gallant play, many of you did, back when he played with the Detroit Red Wings, he was one, teso, one tough SOB. Like, he could chuck him. And what happened with Gallant is he had to fight because they had Probert... And they had kosher. And so they had a lot of guys that wanted to duck him. This is what uh, he had to say in response to some comments from Peter DeBoer. This is Vegas head coach today, Gerard Gallant. I really don't want to talk about that, but I'm, I think I'm going to have to a little bit because, uh, you know, for that clown to say that in the paper yesterday, it's not right. There might have been two incidents that happened, and I'll tell you both of the incidents. Logan Couture, I thought it was an embellishment, so I'm yelling at the referee. Not lo- yelling at Logan Couture. The other one, game two, Evander Keynes yelling at Ryan Reed between the bench. And Evander yells at me, he said, hey, coach, when are you going to send your big guy out in the ice and play him more than four minutes? And I said, he's played ten minutes every game and he's going to play a lot more. So them are the two times. If I'm going to be a chirper and a loudmouth, I think people know me as a coach and respect me as a coach. And if he's going to yap about that, that's a little, a little unclassy for me. My money is on Gerard Glott. <laughs> I'm just saying Oh, man. That guy. And again, I'm kind of from the school where coaches aren't supposed to get into it with players. Like, what do you do if the player chirps at you first? Like, that's kind of frowned upon in the fraternity. This text comes to us from Carl. Hi, Bob. It's interesting that Todd has said without coming out and saying it, 
that the team he came to coach in Edmonton was torn apart before he could bring those players to the point that he wanted to. Like I said, management was too impatient. Hopefully they don't do that again. Thanks from Carl. That's on our Heartland Ford text line. Oh, boy. The patience conversation. Brendan, do you think there's any patience for the patience conversation out there in oil country? Never. (laughs) So let's just say the next general manager of the team, for the sake of argument, is Kelly McCrimmon. Or it's Keith Gretzky. Or it's Dale Hunter. Or it's Ross Mahoney, one of those guys. And the first thing he says is, look... The only way we're going to get to where we're going to get to is by drafting and developing players and by building through the draft. There's a decent, stable, and base of defensemen here. We got to bring in some more forwards. We got to have some cheap options that come in in the offseason, some transitional forwards. Do you think that's like, to me, that is kind of a logical approach? I don't know. Can the, is, is the fan base up for that? Like, I'll say this right now. I do think the Oilers can get into the playoffs next year. They're going to have to add... They're going to have to... And here's an example. The Santa, or the St. Louis Blues. Do you know how many forwards they've replaced off last year's team? Six. They missed the playoffs by one point. They got a whole new set of forwards on that team. They didn't have Ryan O'Reilly. They brought back David Perron. They brought in Patrick Maroon. They've transitioned Robert Thomas in from juniors, who is a pretty good junior player. Kairou's seen some time there. Tyler Bozak, so two centers. There's five of their guys right there off the top of my head. There's six of their 12 forwards, their new players. Okay? The Oilers need, in my mind, at least six new forwards. Now, they don't have a lot of wiggle room. Might not be able to make a trade. But they're going to have to add some speed and some skill up front. I do think the team can compete and be a playoff team next year. A Stanley Cup caliber team? Well, do we even know what that is? We thought Tampa Bay was a Stanley Cup caliber team. We thought Calgary might be a Stanley Cup caliber team. We'll continue down this path tomorrow with John Shannon from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Jay Woodcroft will also join us on tomorrow's edition of Oilers Now and uh, working on a couple more guests as well. Oh, Brendan Escott, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Who do you got tonight? Leafs in Boston. I think, excuse me, I think Toronto slays the beast. I do think they get into the second round. So do I. I think Toronto's going to win tonight. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Vegas and San Jose. Uh, you got to take Vegas in that one, I'm too. I'm taking Vegas, too. Good call. I know San Jose's at home. So we're taking the two road teams. All right. We're taking the two. Both of us are taking the two road teams. Coming up tonight with Inside Sports, Reed Wilkins has got like, oh, no, he's got another round before he gets basically an entire month off. Or maybe you can fill in and do some shows here. Uh, who does Reed got to, uh, coming up? He does have Rob Brown on tonight and uh, CFL Players Association team rep for the Eskimos, Ryan King. There you go. Thank you to everybody who listened and all of you that participated interactively in today's edition of Oilers Now. Up next, a news weather traffic update with Cassandra Jodoin, followed by the 6.30 chat afternoon news. So long, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.